Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I remember buying and thinking they were, and I still think they're cool. I wish I'd kept them. I had my Frankie Says Relax t-shirt from there, major. Wish I still had that. And my Choose Life t-shirt, which I also bought with a fishtail skirt in two colors, highly flammable. And um, a, a selection of pearls with diamante brooches. And then fingerless gloves. And I used to stand there in the cul-de-sac where we lived and I was Pepsi and Charlie. Because but I've got to do one opening link. I thought it ended up being a lot more than this outside. And then the rest was going to be inside. So they're like, you need coats, you need belts, you need bags. I mean, they literally <gasps> So I then, I mean, and they said at the end of it, I bagged it all up. Thank you so much for letting me wear this for one night. I loved it. And they're like, no, 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 it's yours. I've still got those clothes to this day. <gasps> so then I took them all to Bangkok and had them run up in different colours. <laughs> Brilliant! Oh my lord. I love No, that. what I'm saying is sometimes when you find something that really works for you. So I found some of their stuff really worked for me, but there's no way I could afford to buy three Dolce and Gabbana coats. But the one that was given to me, I did have run up in three different colours. I'm Kat Farmer, also known as Does My Bum Look 40. Welcome to my podcast, Get Changed, where we uncover the fashion secrets, fashion faux pas, and the fashion foibles. And we talk about how fashion can make a difference to you. Today, we have the wonderful Kate Thornton. Hello. Hello, my friends. How are you? Look at you, Empire Building. So proud of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you, and you, we can talk about that in a minute. But first of all, I want to crack on with your earliest fashion memory thinking back to when you were young we're not a teenager yet we're very very young and what were those first kernels of fashion joy that you consumed and you think back to when you were young and you think that is who I want to be a style icon who was it that just really got your fashion juices flowing Olivia Newton-John Greece love it I remember I remember it so well because we had I saved up and my mum ordered me a pair of those trousers from the Freeman's catalogue. And oh my God, I love them so hard. And they had silver piping down the side. <gasps> and I had a bandeau booby tube thing. And it was the first time I was allowed into a low heel. <gasps> How old were you? Oh, about 12. So like when I say a low heel, you know, like tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went on holiday that year. I'm going to say to Lorette de Mar. We were the fanciest people in our family because we went abroad. We had passports and people like, oh, my God, have you seen them in Spain? Like we'd gone to the moon. <laughs> and I took all this all this out, this out, outfit with me and I, I literally rinsed it every night at the, at the disco in the hotel and just thought I was, I just, I was living my best life. You know, you look to the right, there's the beach. You look to the left, there's a swimming pool. And you look straight in front of you, you're on a dance floor. Dancing to Lips Inc. And you are actually Sandy. In that moment, yeah, absolutely. But it was cute. I mean, you know, that was when I first saw, uh, you know, I saw transformation. That was quite a valuable lesson for me as a teenage, well, tween age girl. My mum and dad had surprised me with this trip to the cinema. We didn't redo really the cinema. It wasn't, it was expensive, you know. And you had to queue. Do you remember? Yeah. And it just, it just was, it wasn't, the cinema wasn't what it is today. And we live in a small town, lived in a small town, Cheltenham in Gloucestershire. So they lied and said that we were going for a picnic. <gasps> and actually, because they knew I was so excited about seeing Greece, we went to see Greece. And I, I, I was so excited. I wet myself. <gasps> and I had to sit and watch the movie with my knickers on. Because, oh. because it was just, I was just overcome with excitement. So it meant a lot. And it then went on to become the first album that I ever bought. And it had this double gatefold. And I used to study all of all of the clothes that they were wearing, which of course were like all based in the 1950s, because it's Rydell High in the 1950s. But yeah, so that's that's you know, the moment you say that, that's exactly what sprang to mind. And is it was it definitely Sandy? Was it definitely Sandy as Livingston as Sandy, or was it as Sandra D? 
both. I think I think I recognised very early on that you can be both things and that's okay. That's amazing. That we both have those facets because I've definitely got a bit of both in me. And then, you know, going through those pitch. Also, I was big into ballroom dancing as a kid and Latin American and we couldn't... Uh, uh, my mum is an amazing seamstress, so she used to make a lot of our clothes. So I'd see something that I liked on a TV show or in Jackie magazine or Ms or just 17. <gasps> and my mum would run it up or go into town and buy um, a pattern and work to it. So a lot of my... A lot of my clothes were made for me by my mum, which sounds super fancy. You would be surprised at how many people's mums did that. I mean, my mum, mm. she, well, mm, yeah, she, mm, yeah, poor old Jilly. I mean, she she did, and she's not here to defend herself now, but she, I remember saying to her, do you remember when knickerbockers were a thing? To be fair. Oh my God, more, yeah, no, I had them. Pedal the pushers. Because there is, there, is, there is a significant difference between pedal, po- pedal pushers and knickerbockers, which my mum didn't appreciate. And I remember saying to her, mum, could I have a pair of those? And I, I would buy them for, I think, Tammy Girl or E-Tam. She's like, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm going to make them. <laughs> well, I mean, there was, you know, sort of girl at Tammy Girl. And then there was little Lord Fauntleroy. And I had these red velvet what the hell red velvet and they were never they've never been a pedal pusher they were basically knickerbockers i mean i remember them absolutely mine were piss poor i mean and bless her so when i hear about other people's mums making i have a i have a i mean fair play to her fair play to her for not splashing the no my mum was quite good i think i remember having knickerbockers for some reason i think mine were brown cord so beat that (laughs) yeah i mean god we could have been little lord fauntleroy's together i could i could smuggle shopping in mine i mean they were so they were just wrong they're just wrong aren't they yes in fact i was on the king's road the other day really really early in the morning and i saw god love them a bunch of well, a bunch of school kids going to school wearing exactly what you've just described as their school uniform. Oh, that's Hill House. I know that. I know, you do. I know that. Yes, I know. Why, I know that. why not? Let's let's just move the uniform on, shall we? <laughs> let's, let's not make the kids a sitting target as they scoot it to school whilst everybody else points at them. That just seems so cruel. It's it's a common it's a common phenomenon around there. It definitely definitely is. Okay, so moving on then to your teenagers because you're the same age as me, aren't you? 49 last Monday. You're literally, I'm literally about two weeks older than you. Maybe, maybe three. It's amazing. So we literally have the same childhood eras together. So you've done Sandy at Greece at 12. Then moving on to sort of early, uh, sort of, you know, the teenage years is when the yeah. 80s, I mean, you've, you've done the 1960s and 50s, but the 80s were alive and kicking. Come on, Kate, what was it about the 80s that you just embraced? All of it. Jesus, I loved it. I mean, I like I said, so I loved dancing, right? So my mum used to help make some of my dance costumes. So I did, and it's a very big thing sort of around where we live. So certainly as you get towards the Midlands, you know, the middle of the country, ballroom, Latin American, and then disco. Right? Oh, hello. I was in a disco formation team. <gasps> I'm so jealous. And my mum helped to make the costumes. So we all had sequin leg warmers. Oh, and then these kind of like, so like a, fingerless gloves that had elastic hair. So when we went like that, we could do really severe moves. And my mum made all of it. So so my teenagers were a mix a mishmash of dressing literally like, you know, human tinsel. Or a lot of it was saving up to get stuff out of my mum's catalogue or Tammy Girl. Love Tammy Girl. There were about three places in town that you could go to get clothes. I mean, we could just order stuff and it'd be here the next day. There weren't, we didn't, there was no online. If you wanted clothes, you saved hard. You might be able to look at somebody's catalogue. My mum ran the catalogue on our estate for a bit of extra pin money. So I was always in the Freeman's catalogue, always, but there wasn't a huge amount in there for teenage girls. I remember buying a few bits from the Lulu line because. I thought it made me look like Cagney and Lacey. I loved Cagney and Lacey so hard. So Lulu had these like boots and A-line skirts. And I was like, yeah, Christine Cagney, Mary Beth Lacey coming at ya. <laughs> I'm going for that. Why in the 80s as well did we all dress like 40 years older than we needed to? For, for many things, it's really, really strange. I mean, you don't see anybody... No, you don't see... There's never really been a huge resurgence of 80s fashion. And there is a reason for that. You say that, don't you? But has well, mm, yeah, not full on. I mean, not full on dynasty. Not. I mean, when you when you think back and when you look back, I mean, you know, the old Don Johnson. It's not, has it? Don Johnson's no. suit has not come back. 
No, maybe for women to do that kind of pastel suit combo, that's that's definitely made a return. I think was, you know, right now what I'm seeing with my teenage son and all his mates is just this love of 90s clothing. And we're seeing it now with like some of that really kind of Versace chainmail, you know, that all of the young, thin people are wearing. That we did back in the 90s, it's total 90s fashion resurgence. His mates come around the house and they're like, oh my God, have you got like original juicy? Juicy couture, you're like stuff I'm not even proud of. Like, yeah, I have, but I just wait to decorate. <gasps> oh, like, yeah. And then of course, you know, they can go like poor Ben, his friends can Google me so they can see that I actually existed and meant something possibly culturally in the 90s for a minute. I mean, that's just like props right there. I mean, they being a relic, it. it's like being a human museum. They come around and go, look at her, look at her clothes. <laughs> Oh my God, do you not have copies of Smash It all around the house? <laughs> no, wall? The, weirdly, because we're renovating, I decided that, um, I mean, I, I, I find my mind runs at quite a pace. So for me, I need order around me. And I just, there was something that, there was something that was troubling me. This is really stupid. I just couldn't get my head in order. And I knew what it was because I'd been up and down in the loft and I'd noticed that the loft was not in order. I had to go and order my loft. Isn't that sad? Okay. Now that I have AI. I know where all my smash hits are and b i feel calm in a way that i didn't before the loft was okay what's wrong with me <laughs> oh my lord one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So were there any musical, or rather that you, you mentioned disco, I mean, were there any musical influences in your 80s fashion repertoire? Madonna. Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. Janet Jackson. I mean, anybody that was visible, really, because, I mean, I've always been a bit of a magazine and news junkie. We, we took a newspaper every day in the house, but my nan, blonde, had a cleaning job at WH Smith's, which meant... But we got all of the out-of-date magazines. Oh, my Lord. And I I was the oldest of the nine grandchildren on that side of the family. So there's there's more than nine now. There's loads of us. So she'd bring them home, and I would just dive in. So, any, I mean, I was pulling everything out of the magazines. I had it all up on the wall. So, yeah, my influences would have been whoever was working at that time. There was a lot of backcomb. There was a lot of hairspray. There was a lot of silver crin. Silver what? What's that? Silver crin, hairspray, cheap. Oh, okay. Nasty. Flamm- flammable. Okay. Well, Elnet was also flammable, I'm sure, at that time. Yeah, but that was a bit spinny. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Lots of pink and petrol blue eyeliner. We just, I mean, the Heather Shimmer, that frosted Shimmer. lip. That Love lip. frosted, frosted lip. i tell you who I loved and I thought was quite a style icon was Trisha Yearwood from Grange Hill. Oh I learned a lot from Grange Hill because they were London school kids, not kind of country bumpkins like us, right? Well, if it makes you feel any better, we I was I was I was I was North London and we weren't allowed to watch it. I think they worried Why? that it oh because it was just I mean it was uh, when I was younger, you know, sort of you know probably pre pre senior school. Oh no, I think it was you know gosh now I'm to a Catholic school. It was like a bad influence. My gosh, interesting, isn't it? You know, for but. So you, you've very kindly been on my podcast called White Wine Question Time, but last Christmas I reunited the cast of Grange Hill <gasps> for the Christmas special. It was wonderful. It was so wonderful to catch up on what they're all at. And like, do you know the script editor for Grange Hill was Anthony Mingella, Oscar winner Anthony Mingella? Shut the front door. Seriously, really? he did. He did the Zamo smack kind of heroin storyline. Just say no. 
no, say no, just say no. no. I mean, it was yeah. amazing. I tried to explain to the kids the other day, we were watching something and Nancy uh, Reagan was on Reagan, it. Reagan, the way to the White House. I know. And I was trying to explain it to them. They looked at me with these looks of like, what? And I said, you don't understand how significant that yes, was. major. Because also, you know, you couldn't get in from school and decide what to stream or download or watch. You watched... ITV or BBC One, because they were the only channels that showed kids TV programming. And you had to be home on time to watch it. And then you'd all talk about like, I think that anti-drug storyline had a huge impact on me. As it, I, so it certainly killed my appetite for, shall we experiment? Oh. I didn't want to end up like Zamo. I was scared. For years, for years and years and years. And I think when it comes to fashion, that's maybe why we did all dress exactly the same. Because we had no other points of reference. Very few. So you'd have, you know, in Jackie magazine or, or Miz or whatever, you might have the odd pop star, but the rest of it would be photo stories about people having problems with their boyfriend. Or, you know, it might get really edgy and it might be like, I've seen my friend sniff Tipex dinner. What should I do? It's like, call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that, you know? I mean, it was, that's as edgy as it got. Oh, it but you're right. So telly was like, so Top of the Pops was the catwalk show for so many because... That's where you saw people that didn't dress like you. And, and it was so aspirational. It was so incredibly, incredibly aspirational. And there was, but I also think there was, there were so few fashion choices. You didn't have a choice. Like you say, there were three shops you could shop from or your mum yeah. made your clothes. That was it. And there were only, what, two collections a year. You had spring, spring and summer, maybe four, spring, summer, autumn, winter. I, I'd it. say two, summer and winter. I think winter. it was, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And just remember, we had a local, so I'm... Oh, the market. The market, right? Yes, the local market. So for us in Cheltenham, it was at the race course. And you'd go up there and they'd have, it was all the knockoffs of what was trending around the the UK. So I remember buying and thinking they were, and I still think they're cool. I wish I'd kept them. I had my Frankie Says Relax t-shirt from there, major. (gasps) Wish I still had that. And my Choose Life t-shirt, which I also bought with a fishtail skirt in two colours, highly flammable. And um, a, a selection of pearls with diamante brooches. And then fingerless gloves. And I used to stand there in the cul-de-sac where we lived. And I was Pepsi and Shirley, which is so embarrassing because now Pepsi's my, like Shirley's my friend. Oh, I love I, that. I, and I've had to fess up and say. Oh, she must be so used to it. Probably, yeah. I mean, she must be like, oh, God, not another one. Oh, she must be so used. I mean, how flattering is that, Mm. really? Do you remember as well seeing Madonna on Top of the Pops, but on video, uh, doing Get Into the Groove, and she had that amazing jacket, the the crop (gasps) jacket, and it had the, like, a sphinx on the back? Oh, it was was white, wasn't it? No, it was. She had a white vest underneath, and she was drying her armpits on on her hand dryer. She had really short blonde hair. Yeah, and a rag in her hair, so I did all the yeah, ragging yes. in my hair. And then I remember about five years ago, probably now, I keep forgetting the pan, keep forgetting the pandemic, so I just have to stack a couple of years on Seven, everything. Yeah. Nicole Appleton for an All Saints tour had a replica of Madonna's Get Into the Groove jacket made. And you've never seen a bunch of 40-year-old women foam at the mouth in such an excitable fashion. We were like, oh, can I try it on? Can I try it on? It still made me giddy. But that is the sort of stuff that if they bought that back, we would all buy it because we're that sad no i think it was just that cool i think it was, it that cool. was just that cool yeah and do you do you do the mini skirts over the three-quarter length leggings like madonna always always I, to be fair that was a dream to me because i've always had like slightly shit white legs as in legs so white you can see them from space yeah, same, same. and there was no such thing as fake tan back in 1983 no! so so yeah so i was bring on the leggings Love it. You see, I think everyone was a little bit cooler than me because my overriding memory of 80s fashion buying it from the market was that sweatshirt. It was like a really thick sweatshirt, but it was reversible. And on one side was a big Mickey Mouse. Kate, you look absolutely horrified. I do remember these. Yeah, I didn't do those. Yeah, all right, fine. I know. It it was clearly very sad. Once, One side was a big Mickey Mouse and on the other side were loads of little Mickey Mouse. I sort of want to weep slightly when I think about it. But I love that sweatshirt more than anything in the world. If you loved it, like I remember trying to get a varsity jacket. Oh, that was my next thing. That was my next thing. My, uh, my other thing I was going to say, I remember the market, was my blue felt varsity yeah. jacket with white plastic sleeves. Like, not even pleather, worse than that. Like crunchy stuff. It was basically like a, yeah, it was basically like a white bin bag, but slightly, yeah. you know. <laughs> 
awful with Montana on the back and a mountain range. <laughs> yeah, because you because I've just been there, not. Yeah, I know the idea of like America felt so exotic to me. Madonna <gasps> felt so otherworldly to me, and, and actually. She, uh, I think, I don't know, we we forget at the time, whatever your political, wherever your political views sit now, we grew up in a time when a woman ruled this country. She led this country. That's That was quite something. I, I just took that for granted. And it's only now when I look back, I go, no, like, we had an iron lady. I mean, the fact that they gave her that, that title is kind of disparaging in her best. But she was, you know, she, she ruled hard. And she, so actually we had a woman at the top of the country. And then we had... The people like Madonna coming in and really blowing the doors off of, of expectation around young women. She gave us a license to question, you know, ruffle feathers, piss people off. It was okay to piss people off. And as a teenager, that's kind of your God-given right to be annoying and piss people off. But I also think what she did so well was she was such a chameleon. I think she taught us, actually, even if it was, you know, subconsciously, that you can change. You don't have to just stay in your lane. She was every single music video, every single album. She totally reinvented herself. Yeah, she was amazing. But also, you know, she was provocative. She didn't, uh, people would get upset about her and they say, you need to apologize. And she'd go, no. Love it. And I was like, oh, great. So you don't have to say sorry just because somebody in authority tells you to. Amazing. She'd talk about other things, other women other movements, other, like, voguing. I mean, I, I learned so much about the LGBTQ community, mm. as I understand it now, because Madonna took me there and celebrated it. And that's amazing. So, you know, you can park all the music and all the fashion. Actually, that is hugely significant in terms of her influence. Once I fell in love with her brain and I'd already loved her music, the wardrobe was just a given. It's like, okay, I, I want to be her. I love her. I think she's amazing. And nobody else was doing it like that, were they? I mean... No. Must be very lonely to be that much of a trailblazer when nobody else is doing it with you. Much easier to do it now because there's kind of a squad of amazing women out there pushing boundaries. It is, you know, in pop music. But, you know, you think about how much easier Dua Leap is having it thanks to Madonna. All of them. Rihanna, all, all of them. They're all, they're, all, they're all living their best life thanks to Madonna. So moving forward, and we've got rid of your leggings and your rara skirt, moving into sort of your young adulthood, young adulthood, mm. did you have, at what point did you realise sort of, do you know what, actually, I have, this is it, I've, um, I've, I've made my, I've, I've made, I've decided that this is the fashion, I've, I'm comfortable in what I wear. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, in the 90s, I was just in cargo pants, low riders, maharishis, crop tops, yeah, I did. I did not. I, I did the nineties well and hard, but I think that's when I I was very lucky because first of all I'd started work and I thought I had to dress like a proper grown up professional. So I remember turning up to, on my first day at work in Fleet Street, wearing a suit that I'd ordered from my mum's catalogue, and I did look like Don Johnson. I'm not <gasps> Don Johnson and Melanie Griffiths in working girl. I was a twat. Um, and then I got into the office. I was like, oh shit, they're wearing jeans. I don't need the power suit. So I started to struggle to find my working wardrobe identity, I suppose. Yeah. I knew what I was at home. And then very quickly, I fell into telly. The first probably two or three series I did on telly, I had to dress myself. And those crimes live on. Do you know what I right. mean? They're, they're everywhere. Come on, come on. What is the worst fashion faux pas? That, I mean, because they are actually literally out there. What's your, is there one that you think of and just think, oh, that's going to haunt me forever? And you look back and it's probably funny, but at the time you think, this was not amusing. There's just, there's just a lot of ill-informed choices where, I, you know, when you try and wear everything rather than... I wasn't educated on how to dress myself. I just wasn't. Uh, I'm just trying to think, you know, like... I mean, somebody sent me a clip the other day of me into introducing Mel C on Top of the Pops. For some reason, I wore a sari. <gasps> yeah, Not a full sari, but like a skirt sari, you know? Okay, yeah. With, with over leggings, with... I don't know, like this funny little red top. I mean, but I'd have to buy my own clothes for Top of Pops. They Did didn't you? provide clothes. Yeah, so anything you saw me wearing on Top of Pops, I bought myself. I remember at the time I was flying around the world a lot, doing lots of great jobs overseas. So I would pick up a lot of clothing, my early working wardrobe. When I started doing things like Top of the Pops and I was doing a show called Don't Try This at Home, I'd be out on location. It kind of fitted with my 90s yeah. cargo pant 
you know, that's that's where I was at. I mean, kind of all Saints-esque, I suppose. They were my mates. We were shopping in the same shops, you know. Um, so I'd go to New York and I'd buy. Those were the days when you couldn't get stuff over here because we didn't have the internet. Yes. Gosh, do you remember? So you would get on a plane to New York with an empty suitcase, fill it at Century 21. Oh, my God. I love that shop. So did I. Or just steam into like places like Abercrombie and Fitch because we didn't have them here. And I suppose it was a really flashy way of going, yeah, shop in New York. I mean, like, I mean, it's pretentious as hell, but that's what we are at that age, isn't it? Yeah, we're in our 20s, in our 20s. And so I would fill, I'd go to New York and I would fill my suitcase with whatever I could find. And I'd go to vintage markets, but quite often I'd be over there filming. So we'd always have the fixer with us. who would say, oh, these are the great shops to go to. This is where everyone's going right now. So I was literally taken by the hand to the best places. And then I would fill my suitcase, come back. So loads, some, on Christmas Day this year, they re-ran a Top of the Pops that I'd hosted back in 1998. And I'm wearing a shocking pink tie-dye, sounds like a silk, really fitted Betsy Johnson dress. And I remember Betsy Johnson was a big, big designer for a minute. She was she was massive. And then basically that's what Century 21 was just full of Betsy Johnson. Vince, Betsy Johnson. Yeah, I love Vince. I still love Vince. Vince is beautiful. Vince, Vince cuts beautifully. Theory. Um, DKMY. DKMY. Um, I've still got an amazing Calvin Klein coat that I bought in Century 21. It, only, the ho- only the pockets have got holes. It's really lived on, you know. It's like yeah. that's 25, 25 years old. So, yeah, a lot of my stuff was, was, was acquired in New York, really, because the rest of the time I was just working. I, you know, I was in the editor's chair at Smash Hits at 21, and then I went straight into telly. I, I didn't have a minute off. And so I would just acquire stuff along the way. And then once I started doing shows like Top of the Pops and the first show that we did uh, where I had a stylist, uh, I was working at MTV and they gave me a stylist. And I was like, shut up. What do you do? And she took me shopping and she still works with me to this day. Gemma, Shamley, Mother Shoppers. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. But I remember us kind of just, you know, she, I remember her taking me to Selfridges and I was like, oh, fancy. And they sit me down in the personal shopping area and they would just bring stuff to us and we drank champagne and I just thought, oh my God, I'm Julia freaking Roberts. I have said. arrived. Did you have a budget as well? Yeah. I mean, some of the Saturday, once I moved on to like Saturday night stuff and, you know, when you start talking about Pop Idol and X Factor, I mean, we struggled to spend the money that was attributed to but we always had this time we've got to spend the budget get me some more Milanos you know it's oh like, my crap. lord and were you allowed to keep all the stuff yeah <gasps> whoa so oh my gosh because quite often the stuff would be altered to fit me yeah so I learned so many valuable lessons working with a stylist and it's interesting a friend of mine is in her early 50s is getting married and she was messaging me last night and I'm helping her to find a dress and then she was like what about these shoes with the dress and I was like you can't do legs and cleavage you can't do bold shoes, bold dress. It's one or the other. And all these things that I realised I've learned along the way, you know, I, I feel like I've learned really well from Gemma. So we had we had a stylist and I would get the clothes and then a seamstress would come in, brilliant Maggie, Magic Maggie, we used to call her Maggie Cook. And she would just make everything fit to me. But David O'Brien, who you'll know from working at This Morning, who's been styling on that show for yes. whatever, he would do the same to me. I would walk in because I worked on This Morning for a long time under Richard and Judy before going back many years later to sit in their chair, I suppose, as, as a stand-in host. But Dave, I've worked with a lot over the years and I really rate him. And he would just tweak stuff for me. So I'd turn up with something and he'd just, he'd just pin it, nip it, stitch it. And it just made the world of difference. And so quite often I would buy something in a high street um, store, but a size too big so that Dave could take it in to fit it to me. And then it just looks so much better. It makes such a difference, doesn't it? And I think that is probably what loads of people struggle with. When you actually do see people on television looking always immaculate, always perfect, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, just having something altered to fit you, it is transformative and most dry cleaners offer that service by the way it's super simple I always say as well once you start you know I mean I think even better if you can actually find you know a local seamstress who you know and the more you start to work with them especially if you are a slightly unusual shape and let's face it there are probably three people yeah three people in the UK who are 
the perfect average shape to fit everything even then different shops have different different sizes i mean don't get me you know i love hate zara because oh gosh i think zara excludes so many women from its world because a large is me and i'm not large so there's nothing beyond you know if you're bigger than me you kind of don't belong in zara is what they're saying and i think that's really shit yeah it's horrendous it's i've I've not bought anything from zara for a while actually I've, i've my 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 love-hate relationship has become just purely hate-hate. And I think also the fact that it's really, it's it's just a little bit too ubiquitous. And I think lots of other places do it a lot better. Um, but I think the great thing about working with a seamstress, and you'll know this, and you'll have picked this up by osmosis over the years, is that you suddenly learn what works for you. And you also know when you buy something, how easy that is to alter because there's nothing worse than buying something and I've done this and taken it to a seamstress and gone can you check fix this they're like well no I've got to take the whole thing apart it's going to cost nine times the amount of the original item so there is that actually if you can just tweak this on the sleeves or at the waist or you know at the length it it makes something a lot more yeah but I think for most most people the only time they'll ever go and do something like have something fitted to to them uh, by a seamstress is like a, for a wedding so don't wait until then learn that as a hack right like you know if you're a size t- you know if you're a size 12 buy the 14 in the high street and get it tailored to fit you I really do think it's it, I think it just makes everything feel like it's fits like a glove because it does especially if you have excess so if you have excess you know if you're larger on top if you're larger on your hips if you're tall I have to buy excess things so I get the excess fabric, which you then get taken in, which makes it longer. Yeah. It's just learning, learning these things. So let's talk about that, because I'm not sure you have. Have you ever had a fashion crisis as an adult? Have you any, at any point of your adult life, you know, whatever it might be after, you know, change of a job, birth of your Ben, or, or, you know, whatever it might be, looked in the mirror and just thought, I, I, who, what, what am I, this isn't me anymore. Yeah, recently, I think, recently with, uh, well, for a start, I think, you know, I just fell in love with sports bras and elasticated waistbands in lockdown um, and still struggle to dress literally from the waist down. But but equally, I think, uh, you know, I've spoken about this recently and I do it because I hope it's helpful. Um, I think my body has gone through huge changes in perimenopause and mm. some women, we, we've spoken about this, I know, some women, it just doesn't, Im- everybody's impacted in a different way and some people not at all. But for me, as my hormones were were literally crashing out of my body and then being flooded back in again, my body reacted as as as, they, as it is, is wont to do. By kind of just I just the bloating. I mean, at one point I thought I was seven months pregnant. You would have looked at me and just gone, "What is that?" And it's your body recalibrating. You know, my body had been without the estrogen it needed for so long that once I literally you know drowned myself in it. Um, it took a while to figure out what it was doing. It meant that I ballooned in, and it wasn't like I gained weight. And it's, I do hope that this isn't picked up and reported in some inflammatory clickbaity way. What I learned very quickly is, is I didn't gain weight, I gained water. Mm-hmm. It was, um, my body was holding water and and cortisol, right? So that is quite a heady combination. And the only way really to treat that is to eat the right foods, exercise well, sleep well but balance your hormones as, as that's that's been my and it took time so for about a year uh, I haven't felt like I could just you know like you'd go oh a dinner on Thursday oh I know what I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear that dress that I got last year well though I didn't I no longer had the confidence that, that dress would fit so suddenly my my wardrobe became like a place I didn't enjoy going because nothing belonged to me anymore it does now and I'm back there and I'm getting there and it's massive lifestyle changes. And the number of messages I've had over, and I was on Loose Women talking about this last week, number of women that have contacted me, I feel a very big responsibility to not give disinformation or wrong information or to suggest that there's quick wins because there isn't, or that hasn't been my experience. And also just, I kind of hate myself for saying that I love being back in my old clothes because I don't think we should measure ourselves by weight. And I certainly don't measure the people that I love and have in my life by the way they look or how much they weigh. But equally, I didn't feel like me and I missed that. I didn't like feeling bloated and sluggish and all over the place, really. It was, yeah, it was just wasn't me. I think it's really hard as well for, you know, the clothes that you knew that did fit you and they might still fit you but they just look totally different as you're carrying weight in a different area your body changes 
But all the weight was being held in what I'd call your sort of hormone hotspots, so the upper arms. So suddenly I felt like the Hulk every time I put a, a, a shirt on. I'm like, like, am I ripping out of this? You get this kind of pull across your thighs, which makes everything look a bit camel toey, which is really unfortunate. And I lived in jumpsuits. So I, I always had like I, I, a quite classic wardrobe in as much as, you know, I've got really st- good, strong staple pieces and none of those quite fitted me in the same way or at all at some point they do now and I'm feeling more like me again but it was interesting because once I took all my staples away I felt like I'd lost well well, who am I then how do I dress and like four times I had to go and get my bras refitted in lockdown which was quite challenging because nobody's allowed to measure you but I found this great lady near me that only has to look at them and she can tell you what you are (gasps) amazing right I mean literally she's the boob whisperer Um, (laughs) but if I look in my my bra drawer now it tells the story of huge fluctuation. Mm. I've always been a 34C my entire working life, pretty much, until recently when I was up to like 38 double D. Yeah, and, gosh. and so when you try to put clothes that fit a 36C or D bust on a 38 double E or whatever it was going up to, I don't know, nothing fits in the same way. So then you're forced to try and dress differently. And that's the bit I got stuck with. I was like, so what, what do I do? Um, and I was doing shoots with Gemma and she would bring stuff along. And the, probably the greatest advice she gave me was don't ever look at a label. Never. Like, just, just look, just cut them out because it doesn't matter what the number is on it. It's about what fits you and what makes you feel good. And she's so right. And I really, I'm very disappointed in myself for putting so much of my emotional well-being against at that period of my life, I should have just accepted that my body is going through the most natural of changes and I've just got to ride it. To be fair, Kate, I think that's so easy to say with hindsight, isn't it? When you're in it, and you, we all know actually, or we, you know, as I say, when you come out of it, you can rec- recognise that so much of your identity and confidence is based around how you feel other people perceive you and how you feel when you look in the mirror. And if you're totally. not comfortable with that and you don't, and it looks different to how you were or how you would like to look then that's you know it's it's discombobulating to say the least it is and also yeah I mean I think as well when you can feel that your body isn't responding in the way that it used to to food yeah uh, drink exercise you just feel alien on so many levels and that's compounded by the fact that you can't you can't cover your body in the same clothes that used to work for you yeah, um, so true. Yeah, so so it's it's really hard to to concisely put this into a couple of paragraphs to to, to kind of tie it all up and put a bow on it because it is quite far-reaching and quite confusing. But I think for me, yeah, the fact that n- nothing fitted anymore, nothing, and by that I mean like my emotions didn't fit, my clothes didn't fit, nothing was nothing was gelling like it used to. I'm, I'm much better now. I'm much more in, on an even balance emotionally and in terms of my wardrobe but it's been yeah it's been a hell of a ride I think also a lot of it is acknowledgement do you know what once you just acknowledge if you can acknowledge it it's to do something about it but that's so much easier said than done when you're in the throes of perimenopause or menopause and your brain is telling you something totally different yeah until you've got those hormones checked you know and by checked I mean checked and balanced and actually the hormone balance was the most important thing you know I think I think the the bloating and the the dress you know that the, the dress size gain or whatever you want to call it was almost a byproduct actually the the stuff that was really really important the stuff that really impacted me day to day was the emotional uh, hormonal fluctuation and it wasn't until I got that right that everything else calmed down and it's a real shame actually because you know I try, I try to talk about this uh because I feel like feel like you know I needed to hear it when I was trying to work out what was going on with me but everybody just turns it into a conversation around weight and diet and it's not that at all it's yes it is to a degree because you don't like the way you look at that that stage but it's about all the stuff that's informed that and that's the stuff that's really hard to get your head around for me the emotional has been you know that was that was the biggest battle Um, and then pulling my body into line once I got that right was was kind of like you know okay I can do this because that one, that battle was much greater, the emotional one. So who would you say now, who would you say now is your, looking at your wardrobe now, or even over the last couple of years, who would you say, do you have a style icon? Who do you channel? Who do you look at and you think, oh, I love what they wear. They are my spirit fashion animal. 
there's loads of people who there's loads of women who style I admire but that doesn't necessarily mean it would work on me no but do you take elements of it do you take the ethos from it like the look is it paired back or have you gone you know some more eclectic no I think I've learned what works for me that's brilliant so like for example like things can come back into fashion but I know they won't work for me I am no slave to fashion I'll just set that one out thanks and I'll come back in when you bring me a skinny jean or a, a boot <laughs> They're all fine though now. That's the great thing. I think these days absolutely anything works. I mean, going, you know, referencing what we said much, much, much earlier, we, we didn't have any other points of reference. Whereas now mm. anything goes, you know, there is, there is a style out there to suit every single taste, every single body shape, every single mm. lifestyle. There is someone out there that you can look at and say, do you know what? They do it really well. That's the sort of look I want to emulate. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, so growing up for me, I think one of, you know, we talked about Madonna, but i tell you who else really, really turned my head was Sade. Oh, wow. I mean, she was elegance personified, wasn't she? She just drifted. She was just, she was ethereal. And even as a 20-year-old, you know, sitting here as a 49-year-old, I think I want to dress like her then, now. And it was just... Just, do you remember she used to wear, like, just, she always made jeans look amazing. The bolero jacket. That one shoulder. Oh, my one shoulder. The white bodysuit with the high neck. Everything was really simple. But then, you know, you can see people that are the, you know, antithesis of that, that are a carnival on legs. And I love that too. I think I've been very lucky because across the years, I've got to play dress up on a grand scale to the point that, I never felt, and gosh, gosh, this sounds terrible, but you know when people get really excited about having a wedding day, I'm like, I do that at work. I'm so how lovely. I don't need the hair, makeup and the dress thing. That is work and I love it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I've never felt that pull to like, you know, meringue up. But at the same time then, you probably didn't feel any, you wouldn't have felt any pressure. There's no, I'm thinking the pressure of, you know, this is my one day. This is my one chance. I've got, whereas you did it every Saturday night. Oh yeah, no, that. But I think you feel pressure. You know, I used to get really pissed off about being told how to dress by a bunch of like middle-aged white men. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that used to really get my go. Like, oh, we don't like what you're wearing. Well, I don't like what you're fucking wearing. (laughs) And there we go. And, you know, but then, but, you know, then they call a meeting about it. And, you know, ask my stylist to present mood boards. Like, okay, do you do this with like Ant and Deck? Do mood boards, do they? I doubt it. Mm. So that used that used to that used to jar slightly. So you yes, I, I mean I was lucky that I never had that uh, that 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 panic about one day getting it right. But actually, there was a lot of commentary around how I looked that was very difficult to handle. Yeah, gosh, uh, even imagine. pre-social media. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing that it's sort of it, it is that sort of recognition that you are, whether we like it or not, we are all judged. Initial judgment is made by how you look because that's all you've got to go on that's just human nature first impression yeah you're right you're right and I, I think you know for so many people uh, being stood on telly and being looked at by millions of people of course they're gonna gonna form a judgment do they like what you're wearing are you appealing to them or nauseating them who knows but yes we do put an awful lot of stuff against it I, I get that so what would your advice be for someone else who had lost their way right now Start, start super simple and get some, get some, like, okay, it sounds super fancy, but go and get some styling advice from somebody that is qualified. Like, you, if you were really tired of your haircut, you wouldn't try and restyle it yourself. You'd go to a hairdresser. So true. If your car broke down, you might try to fix it yourself, but most likely you take it to a garage. If your computer broke, you take it to a repair shop or to somebody that's got IT knowledge. The same does apply to your wardrobe. As we transition through life, sometimes it's really helpful to view you as others see you. And it might not be, but you know, all you're going to lose is your time and, and maybe a little bit of, you know, a styling fee. But some of them are free. You can get them free now as well. If you, Most, you know, like John Lewis, for example, they have an amazing styling studio that you can go to and it costs you nothing. So if you are feeling like, like sometimes I think you just need to go, okay, what's my basic capsule wardrobe looking like these days? So what cut jeans do I wear? Oh my God, I went out the other night in heels and I had to walk from St. Martin's Lane, which is, you know, sort of Covent Garden way, to Soho in heels. I did not have a Sarah Jessica Parker moment. I was Hobbled. that woman. No, I took my freaking shoes off. And oh my Lord. Off. Oh my Lord, you never did. I did like a, like a, like a loser because... I just couldn't, I'm so out of practice with the heels. So, yeah, you know, I'm going now, 
but maybe just a slightly heavier heeled boot would have been the answer, Kate. Not the most amazing heel. I mean, they look great, but they were a world of pain. My toes were numb by the time I got in a cab home. Toes numb. Like frostbite, but fashion bite. So it's about understanding, like, what's your basics looking like? For me, I'm always going to be a jumpsuit girl. I love them. I love that boiler suit thing. I've always been a bit tomboyy. Uh, but equally, I love a really well-cut dress. Mm. And, you know, what I used to do, this was back in the day when I travelled a lot, I would get really fancy schmancy clothes bought for me by the TV networks, you know, and then I'd stick them in a suitcase. And quite often I'd be filming in Asia and Bangkok is a gateway to Asia. So I'd get to Asia and overnight, I'd go to this brilliant uh, tailor that uh, was recommended to me. And I, so I'd had this night where I'd done, Madonna, this is ridiculous, but it's a true story, I'll tell it. I worked for Madonna for a night. <gasps> I hosted the launch of, it's the world's first webcast. Ooh. I mean, early, early adopter or what? And it was for her music uh, album, you know, music, the, the actual yep. song music. Yes. So it's that album. It was all styled by Dr. Gabbana. It was Brixton Academy. I was the lead host. And they had, we had Rich Dashkoff, Charlene Spiteri, Liam Howlett from Prodigy, all, all DJing. Natalie Appleton was kind of roving reporter with me and she wanted everyone dressed by Dolce & Gabbana so we get whisked off in this car to fancy I mean so fancy cat to their their, their London store we get dressed by them we, we select three or four different looks so Madonna can sign off because we're all part of the ensemble cast right yeah but because like, I've got to do one opening link I thought it ended up being a lot more than this outside and then the rest was going to be inside so they're like you need coats you need belts you need bags I mean they literally <gasps> So I then, I mean, and they said at the end of it, I bagged it all up. Thank you so much for letting me wear this for one night. I loved it. And they were like, no, 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 it's yours. I've still got those clothes to this day. <gasps> so then I took them all to Bangkok and had them run up in different colours. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, my Lord. I love it. No, that. what I'm saying is sometimes when you find something that really works for you. So I found some of their stuff really worked for me. But there's no way I could afford to buy three Dolce & Gabbana coats. But the one that was given to me, I did have run up in three different colours. Do you still have it, the coat? Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. I need a picture of the D&G coat, please. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Do you still have the other ones or just the original? Just the original, yeah. I think. Just mm. the original. Yeah, and it's still, I mean, it's a bit tight on the boobs now, but Meh. I can wear it open. Yeah, wear Meh. it open. Who cares? It's just a really good classic cut shape. So I think, yeah, you know, if, if I could give anybody who's lost some fashion advice, just go and help somebody to find you. Don't expect, don't cut your own fringe. Let somebody else do that. Love you. it. And very, very finally, the outfit that you're going to haunt people in. So this is basically the one outfit that you will be buried in, that you will be wearing for the rest of time. Your perfect, most favourite outfit. Do you want to see it? <gasps> yes! Hey there. Look at that. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's fabulous. Right, so I'm going to show you this. Hold on. So this, right, once you put this on, looks like I'm... I'm I, this is my Beyonce dress, right? So I wore this to host... I wore this so strictly. Um, so I used to do the Strictly tours. So underneath, you can see this is just a flesh-coloured, amazing, fitted, sort of Spanx-style chiffony number covered in these sequins. Sequin Spanx? You put this over the top. Is that just lace? Is that like a black lace cover-up? It's black lace, and it's all it's floor-length, and it's oh. glorious. And it's so got it's a train. Yeah, and it's long-sleeved. So when you've got this on... I mean, I'd go under the lights and say, you know, good evening, Wembley. And it was looked like I was just wearing a sequined bodice with a very sheer but beautiful floor-length gown over the top of it. It's beautiful. And where I mean, is it amazing? I'm just trying to find out where, where it's from. So this is another one of Gemma's super purchases. But again, when we did Strictly, so this, I had to, I mean, the reinforcement on this bar because I had to dance in this. So I, I did the opening number in this was um, by Sia and David Guetta. What's it called? Titanium. Oh, I love that song. And I had to, I had to be lifted and carried through the air by Artem Vincenzev and Pasha. Um, so the clothes had to really work hard on stage. So they would kind of reinforce and style and stitch everything. So I've got some amazing Strictly dresses. And they still fit. Well, they do now. That's amazing. Where do you keep them all? 
rooms, many clothes. And then I just found this. I'm going to show you this because this was from the Madonna Hall. <gasps> is this one of the D&G ones? Yeah, and I've kept this scarf because it's just fabulous. Is it khaki? It's like a lime green. Oh, with, with purple. Pink, fuchsia pink and purple. And then these amazing fringes at the bottom. That is insane. I mean, why is it in my good wardrobe with clothes that I never wear? I'm going to start wearing this every day. I might school run it in this. Oh, my Lord. That is absolutely amazing. Okay, fine. And Madonna got me that. Madonna got me that. That's what I said about Madonna. Is it? This, is, this is my scarf that Madonna bought me. From D and G, yeah, because uh, that 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 I use I use that line probably about three times a week. Never. They gave me um, so this was just to dress a coat, and I but I, but I love it. They also gave me this kind of lurex green, like a jade green sleeveless roll neck top, and I still wear it now. It's the best evening top ever. You know that kind of throw it on with a pair of trousers vibe. Anyway, those things we should all have in our wardrobe. Amazing, amazing. They are your wardrobe. Do you like my haunting dress though? I the love dress the haunting dress. Isn't it? But like when you look at this, look at the sequins on it. That's the bum. Are they all iridescent? All iridescent, and they literally hug your bum. So they give you the most amazing. I've got there's pictures on my Instagram of me wearing this. If right. You want to grab some? Look, I've them. still got the mic. I've still got the mic pack sewn in. <laughs> And the reinforced mega bra. Love it. So that, so that nothing came out. So once that's on, I mean, I'm Ariel with beef. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is who it's by. Mary, Mario Schwab. Mario Schwab. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Holy what? This is a size eight. And I wore this, I think, a year after giving birth. God, why was I not kinder to myself? Yeah, he sells on list. Oh, there we go. It's American. American. There we go. So, yes, that's a size 12. That's about me. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. It's beautiful. And you still wear it. I love it. I do. I love it. I absolutely love it. I kind of might need to go and rediscover some more love for this. Yeah, go, go. go. I want it on now. Love. Thank you so, so, so much. Pleasure. Pleasure, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough. And I will see you very soon. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 